a message from one of our Sunday celebrations. And you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. It seems uh, entirely appropriate to be preaching on the theme of heroes on uh, such a Sunday as Remembrance Sunday. And uh, that's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to continue this series uh, that uh, Matt launched into uh, for us last Sunday. And uh, Tim's going to be continuing it in a couple of weeks' time. Um, But I guess we all all love a hero, don't we? And I know um, you can probably think of your your favourite hero. I know for me, uh, as as a youngster, uh, uh, was Knight Rider. Do you remember Knight Rider? Uh, I, don't, I don't mean the sort of rather lame remake that's on uh, Freeview at the moment, but you know, the original Knight Rider. There was it in the car. Oh, I love the car. And he was a hero, wasn't he? Michael Knight is a great, great hero. And, uh, and I remember when I, when I, when I learned to drive, I was, I was 17, I thought, I wonder if I'd get these little red lights to put on the front of my mum's car. She had a blue Mini Metro. It probably wouldn't have been the same, would it? Um, but he's a great, great hero. Uh, and guys, you know, who of you haven't imagined being James Bond at one point or another? You know, you, you know these are sort of heroes in our culture, aren't they? And uh, it's right on such a Sunday as today we think of heroes now who are, are serving as Charlotte so wonderfully prayed. Where are you, Charlotte? Thank you for praying. Um, who are serving in, in a conflict now and are absolutely heroes in every sense of the word. But in this series, uh, I want us to, uh, we're looking at some biblical heroes. And uh, I want this morning uh, to look at David, not Goliath. So if you've got a Bible with you, you'd like to turn with me to, to one, chapter, uh, 1 Samuel chapter 17, please. When I was uh, preparing the series and thinking about how it might pan out, I remember thinking it would be great to preach on, on, on this passage of Scripture. I've never preached on, on David and Goliath before, I don't think. I thought it would be a great, uh, a great preach. You know, it's a great passage and, and there's lots that we can look at, uh, some of which we've got time to look at this morning about David. And so if you found 1 Samuel 17, it's quite a long passage, so I'll, I'll read it as quick as I can. Do follow it with me if you've got your Bibles open. Now the Philistines gathered their forces for war and assembled at Socket in Judah. They pitched camp and uh, Saul and the Israelites assembled and camped uh, in the valley and drew up their battle lines to meet the Philistines. The Philistines occupied one hill and the Israelites another with a valley between them. And a champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. He was over nine feet tall. He had a bronze helmet on his head and wore a coat of scale armour of bronze weighing 5,000 shekels. On his legs he wore bronze greaves and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod and its iron points weighed 600 shekels. His shield bearer went ahead of him. Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine and are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he's able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. 
if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistines said, This day I defy the ranks of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. And then we start reading about David, who is the son of Jesse, the youngest son. And we're told that he went back and forth from Saul to tend his father's sheep. And for 40 days, verse 16, the Philistine came forward every morning and evening and took his stand. Now Jesse said to his son David, Take this ephah of roasted grain and these ten loaves of bread for your brothers and hurry to their camp. Take along these ten cheeses to the commander of their unit. See how your brothers are and bring back some assurance from them. There with Saul and all the men of Israel in the valley. Early in the morning, David left the flock with a shepherd, loaded up and set out as Jesse has directed. He reached the camp as the army was going out to battle positions, shouting the war cry. Israel and the Philistines were drawing up their lines, facing each other. David left his things with the keeper of supplies and ran to the battle lines and greeted his brothers. As he was talking with them, Goliath uh, stepped out from his lines and shouted his usual defiance. When David And David heard it. And when the Israelites saw the man, they all ran from him in great fear. Now the Israelites have been saying, do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel. The king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He will also give his daughter in marriage and will exempt his father's family from taxes in Israel. David asked the men standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And they repeated to him what had been said and what would happen for the man who kills him. When Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him and asked, Why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the desert? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You've only come down to watch the battle. Now what I've done? Now what have I done, said David? Can't I even speak? And he turned away to someone else and brought the matter up with them. And what David said was overheard and reported to Saul, and Saul sent for him. Verse 32, David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, you're not able to go against this Philistine and fight him. You're only a boy, and he has been a fighting man from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hands of the Philistine. Then we see that Saul uh, tries to give David his armour, which uh, David just can't wear, it doesn't work, tries walking around in it, he can't do it, he's not used to it. So he chooses, he, he takes his staff and chooses five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag and with his sling in his hand approach the Philistine. And so then uh, Goliath teases David as he comes out there. And David in verse 45 says to him, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will hand you over to me and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. 
Today I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it's not by sword or spear that the Lord saves. For the battle is the Lord's and he will give all of you into our hands. As the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly towards the battle line to meet him, reaching into his bag, taking out a stone. He slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down onto the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone, without a sword in his hand, and he struck down the Philistine and killed him. David ran and stood over him. He took hold of the Philistine's sword, drew it from its scabbard. After he killed him, he cut off his head with the sword. When the Philistines saw that their hero was dead, they turned and ran. Then the men of Israel and Judah surged forward with a shout and pursued the Philistines to the entrance of Gath and to the gates of Ekron. Their dead were strewn and when the Sharon rode to Gath and Ekron. It's a great account, isn't it? And if you like battle stories, there's probably no better than the one of David and Goliath. So let's pray and we'll spend a few moments looking at this together. Lord Jesus, we thank you that we can read this account of David and Goliath. And I pray now as we spend these few moments together looking at this passage that you would come and teach us, Holy Spirit. Help us not only to understand what we've read, but I pray you would apply it to our lives. Put something in us this morning, just like that. Uh, David had such a confidence and faith in you. I pray you'd stir something in us now as we look at this passage together. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, there's lots I could say about David. And if you know your Old Testament, then you would have come across David uh, before. A well-known character uh, in the Old Testament. But I want to restrict this morning to what I say to this passage, just talking about David and his encounter here with Goliath. Now, in ancient times, it was quite common to have a champion that you would send out to battle. So it was quite common to have somebody that, you know, you would send out and almost challenge the opposing army. You know, if you've got someone that can come and fight me, and, uh, and they, they'll win, they win, then we'll come and be your servants, or, or vice versa. That wasn't an unusual tactic. And so Goliath is, is sent out ahead of the Philistine army. He's not really their secret weapon. He's, uh, we're, we're told of his height, works out to nine foot nine inches tall, about three meters. So he's a pretty tall chap. He's not really your secret weapon because you couldn't hide him anywhere. But he was probably the Philistine's favorite weapon. Because he could send them, they could be sent out at the head of the army, and just his very presence there was enough to torment the enemy of the day, which on this occasion is the armies of Israel and Judah. And let's face it, he's doing a pretty good job tormenting the Israelites. So every battle, Goliath gets, gets wheeled out, gets sent out to, to face the enemy. And um, so Goliath was quite intimidating. And we're told that for 40 days, every day Goliath would come out. You can imagine the scene, can't you? So there's the Philistine army on the other side of the valley. The Israelites are on one side, there's the valley and the Philistines are on the other. 
And I wake up in the morning, Goliath has his breakfast of 20 fried eggs, 40 sausages, and as much bacon as he can muster. And he gets his armour on, and then he's sent out. And the same thing happens every day for 40 days. He stands there and sort of hollows, sort of hollows across the valley to the Israelite army and defies them and challenges them to send out a fighter who can fight him. And we're told that what he said here, uh, verses 8 to 10, was intimidating. And um, he, he speaks to the, the Israelite army and they sort of cower, don't they? Why do, you not come, why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? Are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. He going, you can imagine the scene, can't you? He's there across the other side of the valley. The Israelites are terrified. We're told in verse 11, they trembled. You bet they did. They were scared. They'd lost all their confidence. Saul's kingdom is starting to decline, really. And they didn't know what to do. And so for 40 days, every day, Goliath comes out and challenges the Israelite army, the army of God. And, and he could do that because he was so tall, so intimidating. His presence was scary to them. His strength was in his size, wasn't it? Because he was so overpowering. I wonder, just this morning, is there anything that you feel is beginning to overpower you? Is there anything that is perhaps your Goliath this morning? Now, I feel that God wants to give fresh faith this morning for people to overcome Goliaths. So as we spend these moments looking at this passage of Scripture, I want you to be thinking about, uh, just begin to ponder, what's the Goliath in your life this morning? What is it that every day seems to come out and torment you? What is it that just seems to be so overpowering in your life that you just don't see any way forwards? You see, the devil has champions that he sends out for battle every day, out to attack those who love Jesus. They're things that are familiar. They're things that he's been using for years. They're the same tests. They come in different shapes and sizes and different forms, but... Many of them come down to things like money, power, sex, pride, all the, the usuals. The devil sends those out on a regular basis. Maybe you're facing some of those things now. Maybe there's something else that's intimidating. I believe God wants to give faith this morning, and fresh faith for you to overcome Goliaths. But enough about Goliath. What about David. Well, David, we're told, had spent some time in Saul's service as a, as a, as a musician. And uh, we're told that he went back and forth as well to look after his father's sheep. So, you know, he was there at one point in some way or another serving Saul and, uh, and being a court musician there. But he also had responsibility back home. So he didn't say, well, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a musician. I'm a court musician. I, I play for the king. Can't do any looking after sheep anymore. But he sort of seemed to find himself in these two worlds. Well, as being serving Saul, he was looking after and went back to take responsibility for his father's sheep as well. We know in verse 16 that as well, David has already been anointed by Samuel, just in the previous chapter there. He may not have known what the anointing was for, 
The chapter doesn't make it clear as to whether Jesse and David and others knew what the anointing was about, but David would have known something was up, that God had something in mind for him. And so now what happens is he gets sent to take supplies to his brothers. He gets sent to the front line. And so there are a few things I want to look at from David. We don't have much time now, but there are 10 things really quickly I want us to look at. Characteristics of David that I'm trusting will help us this morning. We're going to go through this quite fast, so stay with me. Number one. Firstly, David was obedient to his father and faithful in service. He was obedient and faithful. Let's face it, looking after sheep is probably not the most exciting job going. If you're thinking about what your career path might be this morning, I doubt if many of you are imagining, I really want to be a shepherd. I really want to look after sheep. You know, you're probably aiming for something else. You know, being a shepherd wasn't the greatest job in society. Shepherds were looked down upon. They didn't have a great reputation. Without wishing to be disrespectful to shepherds, and if any of you are shepherds this morning, please forgive me. But in biblical times, how do I put this sensitively? They probably weren't the brightest folk. Do you know? Uh, and that's the sort of the world of the shepherd, really. Uh, but, but David was faithful there. He didn't say, hey, I've made it now. I'm a musician for Saul. Don't need to do any more sheep looking after. Thank you very much. But he was obedient. He was faithful to what he'd been given to do. He obviously wasn't old enough to fight, because if he was, he would have been in the army. But he was old enough to travel. So I don't know how old he was. Maybe he was in his early teens, perhaps. Something of that sort of age, I guess. He was obedient and faithful, what what had been given to do. And the challenge this morning for each of us is to be obedient and faithful with what God has given you. So what has God given you right now? Right this morning, in your world, just at the moment, whatever it is, be obedient with it. Be faithful with it. Even if you think, hey, it ranks alongside shepherds, what God's given me at the moment. Listen, David wasn't always a shepherd. He became king of Israel. So be faithful with what God has given you. Be obedient in that. And who knows what God will open up to you as the times go on. Number two, David was confident of his identity. Verse 26 says this. David asked the men standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Have you noticed how David describes the situation is different to how Goliath describes it? Goliath describes the situation as the Philistine army and the armies of Saul. David describes the situation as this uncircumcised Philistine, that army, and the armies of the living God. David was confident in his identity. He knew that they were the armies of the living God. And that's a huge difference to just being in the army of Saul. It's a massive difference. It shows where David's identity was. It shows where his trust and faith was. He knew who he was. And so he could confidently step out knowing that God was on his side. Who is this guy? He isn't part of the covenant people of God. He's our enemy. Who is he to defy us? We're the the armies of God. That's what he's saying. So he was confident of his identity. That leads us on to number three. David had 
really quite simple and enthusiastic faith. It's quite straightforward. You know, who is this guy? We're the armies of the living God. And this angers his brother, verse 28. His elder brother gets quite cross at him. You know, he speaks down to him, doesn't it? In verse, uh, verse 28 there, Eliab says to him, burning with anger, why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the desert? He says, you know, you should be looking after those few sheep. That's all you're good for. What are you doing here in the battle? Why are you here? You see, being full of simple, enthusiastic faith can irritate those who are not. David was full of faith. It's really quite straightforward for him. Who is this guy with the armor of the living God? So he's full of really straightforward, enthusiastic faith. And those people around him who are not get irritated by it because they see something in David that really they don't have. So he recognizes the situation is not just about being, being fearful, but it's not right before God. David recognizes this is not right. So I wonder what injustice can you see around you that is not right before God? What's God putting in your heart, stirring for you to take action on, that is not right before God? David wasn't intimidated by the Goliath. He wasn't intimidated by the situation. And he wasn't intimidated by the fear of other people either. You see, simple faith is not the same as just simplistic faith. Rather, simple faith is childlike. It's trusting. Do you remember what Jesus said when the disciples turned away the kids? He went, no, no, no. Let the little children come to me. Because such is, their, such is the kingdom of heaven. Because Jesus knew that Kids come with quite straightforward faith, don't they? You tell them something, they go, oh, okay. And that's what God wants us to be like as we come to him. That's really how David was coming to the situation here with Goliath. God said it must be true, full stop. And then he acts on it. Whereas the trouble with grown-ups, we say, God said it must be true, but there's no but here for David. He knows where his identity is. He knows who his God is. And he's got a faith that God can do something about it. Number four, David was misunderstood and judged. So his older brother was talking down to him. He was saying, look, you've just come here to watch the battle. Now go back and look after those few sheep. That's all you're good for. His motives were misunderstood and he was judged for it. And the reality is when you step out, when you show some faith and initiative for Jesus, Sometimes people will misunderstand you. Sometimes you will be judged. If you're a leader and you take a sort of stand forward, that just goes with the territory sometimes. That's just how it is. Expect it. Sometimes it will happen. But David didn't sort of argue back. He just came away. Because number five, David knew God. David knew God. Verse 37. David says this, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. Quite straightforward, isn't it, really? And David knew as well that the, the victory wouldn't be his, it will be God's. Verse 46, this, this day the Lord will hand you over to me, he says to Goliath. The Lord will do it, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. <laughs> 
David knew his God. See, David had spent plenty of time looking after the sheep. And while he was sitting there looking after the sheep, he had plenty of time to develop his relationship with God. Plenty of time to write many of the Psalms that we have in our Bible now. Plenty of time to ponder on God and his greatness and all he had done and was doing. Plenty of time to develop that relationship with him, worshipping him. He had a vibrant relationship with God. Now, if you know the story of David, he's not perfect. Later in his life, he makes some terrible decisions, sins badly. But he knew his God. He knew his God and he had a relationship with God. The Bible says he has a, had a heart after God's own heart. That's David's. And that relationship gave him faith. That relationship gave him confidence because it was real to him. So the challenge for us this morning, friends, is, is not, you know, do you know about God? Not just have you read about him? Have you heard about him? Have you heard others speak of him? Have you maybe read about him in the Bible? But not just do you know about God, but do you know God? Do you know him? Like David really knew him. And the good news this morning is God wants to know you too. Whether you're far from him at the moment or whether you're near or somewhere in between, God wants to know you. He wants to develop that relationship with you. He wants you to grow in that, that you might have a greater intimacy with him and you might know him like David knew him. Number six, need to push on quickly. David had a history with God. We're told that David had previously fought bears and lions. David had a history with God acting for him. And let's just stop a second. David had previously fought bears and lions. Now, I don't know many of you here this morning, but have any of you ever fought a bear or a lion? Anyone? And it's, no. I don't know anybody who's ever fought a bear or lion and lived. <laughs> I mean, it's not done, is it? I mean, it's incredible. Think about it. We've already established that David is not that old. He's probably in his early teens. And already in his life with God, already in his experience, he can say, you know, I fought bears, I fought lions, and God's broken in for me. God's acted for me. That's remarkable, isn't it? You see, it's not David's first battle. He's fought bears and lions previously. Those of you who have got children, those of you who have got children older than 13, we're just picking an age. The Bible doesn't say that, but let's just pick an age. Those of you who've got kids older than that, can you imagine looking back your 13-year-old, letting them out one day, they say, Mum, I'm just going out to fight a bear today. I'll see you later. And what would you say? You go, no, come back here. Those of you who've got little kids, and it's great to see your little one here, power mat as well. Um, those of you who've got tiny kids, can you imagine when they get to sort of 12, 13? Hey, Mum, Dad, I'm, I'm just out for the day. I'm just going to go and fight a lion. I'll, I'll see you at tea time. You wouldn't let it happen, would you? But David's already fought the lion, fought the bear, already seen God act for him. So now, when he faces Goliath, he can say, you know what? This is just like before. Goliath is like an overgrown bear. I've seen God act before, and I'll see God act again. That's what he's saying. It wasn't his first battle. He'd passed some tests before. 
And the things that God allows to come into your life, Goliath is unlikely to be your first battle. But there will be others. You see, David had some history with God. I wonder what's your history with God? You see, every small battle you fight... Every small victory you have that, that maybe nobody else knows about. Maybe it's just between you and God. Every tiny victory, every small step of you responding to God in faith is building, is building, is building. I love playing with the, the girls with Lego. And um, I love building towers of Lego bricks. Now, Lego bricks are tiny little things. But over time, you can put one on the other one on another, and they build up to something. They build, and they build, and they build. And I've got one up to the ceiling once. That's my, that's my best. I couldn't go any further, but I got it from the floor to the ceiling. It took some time, but one, one brick on another, it built something. Friends, it's the same with your relationship with God. As you take little steps, as you have small victories, as you overcome, as you say no to temptation here, yes to God there, those things build. And they give you a history with God. So when Goliath comes, you've got some history with God. Just as David had some history with God here. David, number seven, didn't wear Saul's armour. David wasn't going to be made to be somebody else. Saul's armour, we're told Saul was a pretty impressive figure. It was far too big for him. Entirely inappropriate. He tried it on, couldn't move around. He was just swamped in it. And he said no to it. Is it significant? Yes, it is. Because David was confident enough in God to know how to step out in his own way in God. He didn't need Saul's armour to win the victory. David didn't allow other people to mould him to be just like them. Because he knew who he was in God's. And the challenge for us this morning is not to allow other people to mould us into their expectations for us. What's God's expectation for you? What does he want you to be? There's a balance, obviously. We need to receive godly wisdom and counsel. It's right that we do that. But the purpose in doing that is not that you might become like the person giving you that counsel, but that you might become all that God wants you to be, all that he wants you to be. So my question to you is this. Are you being you? Are you being you? Are you being who God wants you to be? Or are you trying to be somebody else? There are plenty of people that I admire, that I look up to, that I respect and I learn from. But I want to be who God has made me to be. Do you want to be who God has made you to be? Get comfortable in your own skin. That's another way of putting it. Get comfortable in your own skin. Be who God wants you to be. Number eight, David played to his strengths by using his sling and stones. You might say he used his gifts. He knew what would work for him, and he used that. He had some experience in that. He didn't have to take out Saul's sword and say, well, I'll, I'll try and fight Goliath with this because I guess it's what works. No, no. He knew what worked for him. It was his sling and a few stones, and that's what he took out to battle. What works for you? What are your gifts? What has God given you? What are things that God has given you that are gifts that you can use? Often we um, separate, don't we, spiritual gifts and what we might call natural gifts. The Bible doesn't do that, actually, because all your gifts are from God. Whether it's, you know, what we might label as unhelpfully sometimes a spiritual gift, you know, 
praying, seeing healing or speaking in tongues or interpretation, prophecy, those sort of things. You might think, oh, that's different from serving and leading and having a, a passion for this or giving. Or uh, you know, We can sort of put different lists together. The Bible doesn't do that. All your gifts are from God. What is it that God has given you? How are you using that? Are you confident in doing that? Number nine, David didn't allow Goliath to intimidate him because he knew who he was in God. He didn't allow Goliath to intimidate him. I once heard of a a company director who was so intimidating to his staff that allegedly one of his staff jumped out of a second floor window once to get away from him. And I heard the story and I knew the person concerned and it didn't surprise me because he could be a pretty intimidating character when he lost his temper. But, but David wasn't intimidated by Goliath. He was pretty intimidating. Three metres tall, you know, built like whatever. No, no, no. David didn't allow Goliath to intimidate him. And the challenge for us is not to allow circumstances to intimidate us. Don't allow circumstances to intimidate you. If you're in the right place, where it's where God wants you to be, then God has promised that he'll be with you. He's promised it. And he'll be faithful to it. Just as he was with David, he will be with you. You don't need to allow circumstances to intimidate you. You're a child of the living God. That's who you are. That's who David was. He knew it. And he didn't allow Goliath to intimidate him. And then number 10, finally. David gained a victory and so did the army. It wasn't just David's victory in the end. It only took one person to succeed. It only took one person to fight Goliath. But the result of that was the whole army got a victory. Because as Goliath fell, the Philistines crumbled, ran, and the armies of the living God chased them and got the victory on the day. Sometimes it's just like that. It only takes one person to step up. It only takes one person to take a stand only takes one person to say, this is not right. Let's do something about this. And other people follow through. Are you that person? What position are you in just now where you could be like David, being the one taking a stand? Being the one stepping up to the mark saying, this is not right. What situation are you in where you need to do that just now? And as you do that, everybody else can move forward as well. For years, nobody was able to run a mile in less than four minutes. You know, it was that magical figure, magical number that nobody seemed to be able to break through. For years, people tried and couldn't break it. And then on one day in 1954, a certain Roger Bannister broke the record, managed to run a mile in less than four minutes. And if you look at what happened, very shortly after that, lots of people were able to do it. You think, why is that? It just took one person to say, it's possible. It can be done. It's not beyond us. It's not, as some people thought, just impossible for the the human body to run that fast. Roger Bannister in 1954 proved it was possible to run a mile in less than four minutes. And since then, lots of people have done it. Because one person, person pushed through. Now the record is actually more than 17 seconds less than four minutes. 
just because one person decided that he wanted to break through that barrier and make it possible. And for many people since, it's been possible as well. What is it for you, maybe, that you need to stand up and say, hey, I'm going to take a stand here. I'm going to lead here. I'm going to say this isn't right. And who knows what God might do through you. Let's wrap up. If the band can come back up, guys, if you can be making your way back up, that would be great, please. A few things to conclude with. Don't give in to other people's expectations. Don't allow other people to swamp you or squash you or mould you into what they want you to be, but rather be who God wants you to be and go for that. Do you know God this morning? Do you have that vibrant relationship with him just as David did? Have you got a history with God? Are you like just like those Lego bricks, gaining some small victories, step by step, one at a time? Have you got that history with him? Are you playing to your strengths? Are you using the gifts that God has given you? Have you got a Goliath maybe in your life this morning? Is there something you think in your life, your situation, your world, where it just seems like there's a Goliath there? I feel God wants to give faith this morning to overcome those sort of situations. And for you not to allow your vision to be consumed by Goliath, but rather for your vision to be consumed by your God. Don't allow your vision to be consumed by Goliath. He might be big, he might be huge, he might have horrible armour on, but much better for your vision to be consumed by your God. And then everything else gets into a different perspective. Perhaps we can stand together. I'm going to pray in just a moment. Who's bigger this morning? Is it your Goliath or is it your God? Who is it that's consuming your vision? Maybe you need Goliath needs to get into perspective this morning. Who is it that's coming against the armies of the living God? David said. What is it that's coming against you? I was, um, I was trading Churchill quotes with a friend this week. And uh, we were swapping favourite quotes. And his was this. If you're going through hell, keep going. Said Winston Churchill. I thought that's a great quote. And maybe for some of you, it just feels like you're going through hell. My encouragement to you this morning is then keep going. Then keep going. Keep going. And I feel God this morning wants to give faith for keeping going. Faith to overcome. So can we, let's just pray a moment. I'm going to pray and ask God to come. And we're, we're, we're right out of time, so time's really against us now. But I'm going to pray, and I'm going to ask Matt to lead us in a, in a song. And if you'd like us to pray for you this morning, to receive fresh faith to overcome your Goliath, fresh faith to get Goliath into perspective, fresh faith to keep on going when it feels like you're just going through hell, then I'd love to pray for you this morning. There'll be others that would love to pray for you as well. And so as we sing in a moment, I want you to come real quickly, please, to the front and we can pray for you and ask God to come. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this account of David and Goliath that we've just looked at so quickly this morning. I pray right now, Lord God, that you will give fresh faith to overcome Goliaths this morning. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would be pouring out faith 
to overcome Goliath. You'll be giving fresh faith to keep on going. Where the situation seems impossible, there seems no way forward, it feels like uh, you're going through hell. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you will give fresh faith to keep on going and to overcome this morning. So Lord, help us now as we respond to you. Holy Spirit, come and minister your grace, please, Lord Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit, work in our hearts now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Maybe your Goliath is your health. Maybe your Goliath is a work situation or a family situation. Whatever it might be this morning, I believe God wants you to overcome and give you fresh faith this morning to see him move. So let's sing and worship God together. And if you'd like us to pray with you, please come and we'd love to do that as we worship God together. Thanks for listening to this Jubilee Church podcast. Feel free to check out our website at www.jubilee.org.uk or come along on any Sunday morning.